Hello, you are listening to At Any Rate, JP Morgan's Global Research Podcast. I'm Toru Sasaki, Head of Japan Markets Research, and joining me here in Tokyo are Ayako Fujita, Japan Chief Economist, Ben Shatil, Head of Japan FX Research, Takahumi Yamaki, Head of Japan Fixed Income Research, and Rie Nishihara, Head of Japan Equity Strategy. We've had eight major central banks hiking policy rates more than 50 base points in September. But once again, the BOJ did not change monetary policy on September 22nd. As a result, Japanese yen's depreciation accelerated further. And in turn, Japan's Ministry of Finance and Bank of Japan conducted the yen purchase intervention for the first time in 24, 24 years on the same day. So Fujita-san, now Japan has become the only country with a negative policy rate. Could you explain why BOJ keeps leaving their monetary policy unchanged while other central banks keep hiking policy rates? This is simply because current economic and inflation trends don't justify an immediate normalization of monetary policy. Despite rising price pressures, the BOJ's measure of core inflation remains below the BOJ's 2% target, printing at 1.6% over the year in July. The economy has yet to fully recover from the pandemic with delays in economic reopening. But the September BOJ policy meeting brought the important policy tensions. The BOJ left policy unchanged as widely expected, but the accompanying statement made modest but important progress in its assessment of the inflation outlook, with focus pointing to higher underlying price pressures. But in contrast to the positive assessment in the statement, Kuroda's tone at the subsequent press conference was very dovish. He even stated that the strong easing bias inherent in the current forward guidance would be maintained for the next two to three years, unless the bank's forecast for inflation were to be devised to be persistently above 2% target. So Kuroda's comment triggered a sharp end depreciation, prompting Japan's MOF to intervene in the FX market for the first time in more than two decades. This chain of events highlights the challenge the government and the BOJ face in securing both the functioning of JGB market and currency stability while maintaining accommodative monetary policy. So we think this policy mix is inherently unsustainable. We believe that the BOJ and the MLF are buying time over the next few months until Japan's economic conditions justify BOJ policy normalization, something we believe policymakers also understand. The government is steering policy toward an endemic equilibrium, removing limits on foreign visa arrivals and resuming a domestic travel subsidy program from October. Domestic demand likely will recover strongly in the coming quarters, supporting a broadening of price increases and wage growth. So we expect this trend to be confirmed in first quarter next year and allowing the BOJ to take the first step in removing policy accommodation. So we now expect the BOJ to make an adjustment to YCC setting in March next year, which we will also mark Kuroda's last meeting as a governor. But since we expect the YCC adjustment will be made without prior signaling by the BOJ, we also see risk of an area surprise move. So we think that BOJ meeting after October will become live for policy change. Thanks, Wichita-san. So Ben-san, uh, MOF and the BOJ conducted a yen purchase intervention, but they maintained a dovish stance in monetary policy. It seems to be an inconsistent policy. 
Could you explain why they intervene in the FX market? What do you think about Darien from here? Do you think Darien will stop rising because of intervention? Thanks, Sakisan. So yeah, I mean, I think these are important questions. Let, let me make a couple of points. So the first one is, you know, intervention is not about the level of the yen, but I think is really about the pace of the move. It, you know, in other words, how how fast is the yen depreciating? And as you say, Kuroda san was very dovish last week, and and that very fast move in in the FX market that we had as a reaction to his dovish statement, um, I think was really the, the the sort of the trigger for intervention. So in other words, MOF Ministry of Finance wants to wants to smooth that that kind of volatility that we saw last week. But you know the second and, and the more important point is, as we've said on this podcast and in our reports, um, we don't believe that you know simultaneously controlling yields through yield control policy, yield curve policy, yield curve control, um, on the one hand, and controlling the currency via FX intervention is is ultimately going to be sustainable. And I think you know everyone listening to this, and, and as you and I have discussed. The yen is weakening, not because of sort of speculative flows or that kind of dynamic, but really because if yields are capped in Japan, that the currency is the only release valve for markets to reflect this kind of policy divergence between the rest of the world and, and, and what the Bank of Japan is doing. So I think if that remains the case, at least for now, um, we're going to see continued pressure for yen depreciation, even if the threat of FX intervention is, is there. So what does all that mean for our forecast or, you know, how are we thinking about the yen from here? Well, I think, you know, clearly the, um, the path for, for the yen, for dollar yen is going to be a volatile one. Um, but the bottom line is that, you know, history, history from Japan, history from other um, Asian central banks shows that, you know, intervention cannot entirely stop currency moves, particularly when they're being driven by fundamentals. And that's not because, you know, Japan, the Ministry of Finance doesn't have enough FX reserves. They have over a trillion dollars in, in foreign assets, around $100 billion, we think, in cash deposits. Um, we think they probably spent around $20 billion last week. So that leaves around $80 billion or so, um, you know, a bit more than that before uh, they even need to start liquidating holdings of treasuries or other assets. But I think the point here is we'd be very surprised to see them trying to defend any particular level if that involves a continued depletion, a, con a continued drawdown of reserves. You know, policymakers know that's not sustainable. So um, in terms of our target, you know, we have a 147 forecast for the end of the year that reflects the fact that, um, you know, fair value on dollar yen is already close to 150 based on where interest rate differentials, where, where the 10 year you know, yield gap lies, where terminal pricing for the Fed lies. Um, and I think, you know, to the extent that we continue to see broad dollar strength, um, it's certainly not impossible that, that dollar yen does eventually head up to the 150 level. Okay, yeah, thank you very much, uh, Benson. So now, Yamaki-san, the JGB market was in focus in June, and many global investors had expected the BOJ to change their yield curve control policy target, and the 10-year yield of Japanese bond yield to go up. But eventually, it did not happen in June, July, or this, this month's meeting again. So do you think that the global investors are already giving up their expectation of higher Japanese rates? or are they still expecting higher rates? Uh, thank you, Sasekson. Uh, global investors uh, still expect higher JV rates. 
but uh, the amount of JGB purchased uh, by a fixed rate operation ahead of the September monetary policy meeting uh, remained insignificant uh, com compared to June, uh, despite uh, development in the overseas market. Uh, in addition, uh, foreign investors' positioning in the JGB futures market has not been uh, that stretched, stretched uh, lately. Uh, overall, uh, we think that the foreign investors uh, did not expect an imminent uh, policy change. The however, uh, as Ayako mentioned, uh, the BOJ's uh, core CPI will rise uh, close to 2% uh, toward the end of the quarter's term. Uh, in, inviting uh, the further speculation uh, around uh, uh, policy change. Uh, as the end of quarter's term approaches, uh, we think uh, there is a decent uh, chance of another uh, attack on YCC. Uh, even now that we are seeing a meaningful steepening pressure, the, we expect that uh, this will continue for a while. The, under the YCC framework, uh, the sub-tenure and the tenure plus sectors are fragmented uh, completely. Uh, this situation is worsening the supply-demand balance, uh, especially in the super long end sector. Uh, in addition, uh, the further speculation uh, for uh, policy change will push up the advantage in the short-term sector, uh, especially in swap space. That we have to be well prepared uh, to see further uh, turbulence uh, toward the end of quarter's time. Thanks, Yamaki-san. Now I'd like to turn to the Japanese equity market. Nishara-san, BOJ did not move and the yen continued to depreciate even though there was an intervention. But the Japanese government has finally opened the border, so visitors from many countries will no longer be required to apply for tourist visas when entering Japan from October 11th. How do you expect these developments in Japan to impact Japanese equities? Thank you, Sasaki-san. Uh, the yen has weakened by around 25% year-to-date, and we think there is a positive impact by the weakening yen on corporate earnings. We think this positive impact outweighs the negative impact by the economic slowdown. On the other hand, the depreciation of the yen has reduced the topic's performance in USD. However, the risk of further yen depreciation will remain only three to five percentage going forward in our view. So we will not need to concern that uh, significant deterioration of the return in USD. It is possible that the yen will turn into appreciate due to the Fed's pivot or Japan's border reopening, but compared to the yen depreciation in year to date, it is more likely to be some reversal. Given that the yen's depreciation to date will continue to have a positive impact on EPS into next year, it is unlikely that this will lead to a significant yen appreciation, which poses risks on Japanese corporate earnings and Japanese stocks. Okay, let's stop here. Thank you for your views and thank you all for joining us. This communication is provided for information purpose only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports uh, related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022, JP Morgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on September 29, 2022.